The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. And I caught up with Richard Miles yesterday because today he's in Parliament dealing with all of the big issues in federal politics. I began by asking him, of course, to react to the news about Victoria becoming one state again from 6 o'clock Friday. Oh, look, I think it's fantastic and really it's a reward for all the effort that Victorians have put in over the last few weeks and months, but really in many ways over the last 15 months. I think last year Victorians were magnificent in the way they dealt with all the restrictions that were put on pla- put in place on us during that very extended um, lockdown, albeit that we didn't have the worst of that in, in, in Geelong. Um, and now people have uh, been fantastic in terms of going off and getting vaccinated. Um, we seem to be heading towards a very high vaccination rate um, in Victoria, and, and that's actually what enables us to get to the other side of COVID, to move on, to open up and to start living life and that's uh, obviously what we all need to do. How confident should we be of planning ahead and being able to look forward to things like holidays in three to six months time because you know the Premier did talk about restrictions coming off last year and that didn't go so well but clearly this year the difference is we have a vaccination. I think that is the difference and you know what we what what gives us a sense of being able to move forward predictably is the high vaccination rate that has been or is being achieved in Victoria. So that that's really the answer to the question. I, mean, I can understand a sense of apprehension that people have about you know, whether they can plan ahead given all the disruption that we've seen over the last 15 months. But you know, ultimately, we do need to learn to live with the virus. That's what we're doing. Um, the, the key to that is the vaccination. And the logic of that is that you know once we, we get that done, that we basically are um, moving forward and and um, living life as, as we would want to live it. Um, I, I mean, obviously, we can't absolutely see the future. We, we, we do need to be taking advice from the medical experts. Um, but, you know, at this stage, um, I think given the level of vaccinations that have occurred, I think we can approach the next few months um, with a greater sense of confidence than perhaps we have before. The Premier in his media conference spoke about healing the wounds caused by the pandemic and clearly there's been so many from business to education to mental health. What are you seeing as the priority issues that we need to address, particularly in the electorate of Korea? Well, I think that's a pretty good um, summary that you just gave, Dan. I, I think that um, you know, mental health issues, um, I think particularly for the kids, um, you know, I really feel so... Uh, sorry for uh, young adults who, you know, at a really special time in their lives who have had to um, with go uh, a, a whole lot of um, things that we would have enjoyed when we were uh, at that age. Um, so, so I do think we need to be mindful of all of that. I, I, I think small businesses particularly have a lot of challenges. I mean, some it's a very it's, it's quite a varied picture out there. I mean, some businesses are doing okay, but there's a lot of businesses. Um, particularly that are exposed to the international border. So things like tour, travel agents, you know, they've done a really tough, um, but also events businesses. Um, a, a lot of businesses in hospitality, um, they really have done it tough. And, um, and, and just because we're opening up now, it's going to be a while before we get back to normality for those businesses. And when we finally get there, they, they'll be carrying quite a lot of debt from 
um, experiences of the last 15 months. So you know, I think all of those are issues that uh, are going to be ones we need to be very mindful of. And, and, and so I think it is right to think about healing the, the wounds. This has been um, a, a pandemic which has been experienced very differently by different parts of the, the community. Um, and I think it's really important that we're looking after each other as we as we come out of it and get to the other side. Climate change, a lot of focus on the Glasgow summit, which is ahead. I've been following this issue very closely since about the 2007 election, which is incidentally when you became elected to parliament. But from what I've seen over the years, the issue is not necessarily setting a target like net zero by 2050. What seems to get political parties unstuck is actually debating how you get there. That's right. Although I think it's it's important that there is um, a, a target established and the the zero net emissions by 2050 um, doesn't just come from nowhere. It really is the underpinning principle to the Paris Accords um, and it it is what needs to be um, achieved to try and uh, minimise or uh, make manageable, I guess, uh, as much as possible the warming that is already baked into um, our world and so uh, it it has been a a rallying call for countries around the world to be uh, the direction or the focus that they should pursue to try and um, reduce emissions and so it's a really important commitment and um, it's one which ought to be easy to make particularly given that really it's at the heart of an accord to which Australia is a party, to which this government has um, signed Australia up to, which makes it really bemusing that it it is so difficult for Scott Morrison and his government to actually make this commitment. Now, you know, in the last couple of days, we've seen the Nationals make the decision they've made. I think that kind of uh, uh, raises more questions than it answers, to be frank. It's, It's not clear to me actually whether the Nationals are committing to zero net emissions by 2050 and they, they seem reluctant to even talk about it as a target. It's more kind of a hope. Um, so uh, we've got to be doing better than that. We actually do need to commit to this and do it and achieve it. And, and it's in part about uh, Australia playing its role in the global challenge of climate change, but but it's it's just as much about making sure that our economy is not left behind, that we're taking uh, advantage of the real opportunities there are for the economy in moving down this path, for example, in um, really developing and exploiting renewable energy um, and through the cheap energy that that generates, uh, getting uh, Australia back and Geelong back into a much greater degree of manufacturing. I mean, that, that's what awaits. Um, and that's that's the future that we've got to grab. And um, and it goes hand in hand with this commitment, which is you know, why it's so important that the, the country moves down this path. But uh, really, the, the, what we've learned over the last few days is that Scott Morrison is very much dancing to the tune of Barnaby Joyce. That is a pretty scary prospect. And, and it's one where... Um, it leaves very little coherence in the government's policy and, and what Scott Morrison is saying you know, within a week of going to Glasgow. What would a Labor government do differently? Because from what I can see, you're committing to net zero by 2050, same now with the government and most recently the Nationals. So um, what can people expect from you or are you still to announce the full climate change policy of the Labor Party? 
Yeah, we, we will be announcing the, our roadmap to achieving 2050, uh, zero net emissions by 2050, uh, before we go to the next election. And there's good reason for that. I mean, well, we don't have any uh, chance, obviously, of making decisions on behalf of uh, the country until after the next election. And it's in that context that we will make very clear what our pathway is to zero net emissions by 2050. What we felt has been important, though, is to make the commitment that that is what we seek. Um, and I think we have runs on the board, you know, going right back through the Rudd and Killard years when we were in government, going right back to the Hawke and Keating governments. We have been very active in respect of action on climate change, and it's very much a part of the DNA of Labor that we do engage in meaningful action here for all the reasons that I've described. Now, one thing, one point we would make is that the, the medium-term target that is currently the government's policy um, is not ambitious enough, and we feel that the government needs to have um, a greater ambition than that in, in taking um, a position to Glasgow, and they are governing... So it's really important that the, the, the government has a, a message at Glasgow which makes it clear that Australia is going to play its part. But we will make very clear our position prior to the next election, but you can be sure that it will be meaningful and clear um, and seeks to ensure that we we meet the objective of zero net emissions by 2050, but that along, along the way we are placing our economy um, in the position to take advantage of the enormous opportunities for jobs and economic growth associated with moving down this path. Do we have a sense as to what's gone on behind the scenes there? You must hear rumours going around Canberra just in relation to the Nationals and them coming on board because it sounded like there was a fair bit of debate and perhaps negotiation behind the scenes there. Well, we, we, we don't really, and, and that's, that's a problem in itself. Uh, government should be making very clear what... Uh, internal arrangements have been made with the nationals in order to have the nationals saying whatever they're saying. Uh, one thing we have seen is the Resources Minister, Keith Pitt, a national, go from being in the outer ministry to a member of Cabinet. So one presumes that that has something to do with the negotiations that are going on. But really, the idea that this is being dealt with on terms of people's personal ambitions and you know, there's horse trading around the future of our economy based on who ends up in cabinet and who doesn't really beg his belief. Um, it's a circus. And, and what we actually need is a government that's going to lead, make decisions in the national interest um, and, and do what is, is so critical for the country. And, and I, I think it, it, it is astonishing that you know, the only meaningful change or measure that we have seen today as a result of the negotiations with the nationals is that uh, an individual ends up being promoted to cabinet um, and the nationals are now saying what they're saying. And even then, it, it's really not clear the extent to which the nationals are committing to this at all. Fair bit of talk this week about a cashless debit card. From what I can see, the Labor Party is trying to pass an amendment or legislation regarding it. First of all, how widespread is the government's plan here? How many people who currently receive welfare would be likely to be under the cashless debit card? Well, good question. I mean, the, the, the government is saying that it seeks to make it very widespread, uh, moving it from the, the trial that is currently in place in a few localities around Australia in Northern Territory in Sejuna, in South Australia and, and, and other places to being um, more widespread for pensioners. Now, this is a, a we, we think this is a real concern. I mean, what this essentially provides is that for 
um, pensioners, 80% of their pension has the potential to be tied up in the cashless debit card. That means that there's only certain places where you can use that card. There's only certain products that you can buy with it. And we really feel that this strikes at the dignity of those who are on the pension. Uh, I mean, people on the pension should have all the dignity of, of, of everyone else in the in the population. And they should have the freedoms that go with being able to manage their own um, money. Um, and, and it means, for example, that you, know, you can't use the cash and debit card to buy secondhand goods, um, which is often a way in which people do drive their dollar further. Um, and and so uh, in, in that sense, it might actually impede people's abilities to be thrifty and to see their pension uh, be, be spent in the most beneficial way for them. So we're, we're very concerned about it. That's why um, uh, a, a couple of Labor MPs um, are moving a private member's bill in the House to try and make sure that this is, is stopped. Uh, but we've also made it clear that we won't be pursuing a cash debit card if we win the election. And I can see the current trials mean that the balance is 2080, so you get 20% of your welfare payment into your regular bank account, 80% goes onto this cashless debit card. Um, from your understanding, is that what the split might be if it was to be rolled out for pensioners, or has that not been explained yet? Uh, no, no, I think that's what is being proposed by um, the Prime Minister. I mean, he's talked about... Um, wanting to see this become um, more widespread. And um, and I think that is a matter of enormous concern for every pensioner out there. Um, it, it really does mean that they lose control in a large way over their own money. Um, and aside from anything else, we think that really strikes at the, the dignity of those who are on the pension. And I'm guessing you're not in favour of a cashless debit card in any welfare setting. Is that the case? Yeah, you know, we will make it clear that we won't be pursuing a cashless debit card if we're in government and, and the private members bill, which is being uh, put forward by Julian Hill, um, if that uh, is successful, which you know, it won't be because obviously we don't have, have the numbers in the House of Representatives, but um, if it were to be successful, that would, that would mean that it would not happen. But the, the, the important point to make is this. We're giving the government an opportunity to uh, make sure that without any election or anything, we can just put a stop to this. So we're going to give the government that opportunity. If, as expected, the government doesn't take up that opportunity, then we will make it clear that if we are elected at the next election, we won't move forward with this. Well, thank you very much for being on the program. appreciate you uh, giving up your time in a very busy sitting week. No worries. Thanks, Mitchell. Deputy Leader of the Opposition, Richard Miles, joining us from Canberra there. The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11. Or search for Mitchell's Front Page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you get your podcasts.